The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. It's Star Wars Talk Time. You are listening to the airing of Grievances. I am Brian Finch. With me, as always, Jedi Master Matthew Johnson. Hello there. Sis Lord Johnny Townsend. My hand! My hand! I just imagined the Star Wars universe just littered with severed hands, just <laughs> laying all over the place. <laughs> you can't walk a mile without stepping on a severed hand in the Star Wars universe. It is fun. Like that was like my favorite like dismemberment is like cutting off people's hands. Like how like that sucks. I like that you have a favorite dismemberment in the first place. I, <laughs> that's not something you often I mean, ask. It's the biggest, like it's the worst thing. It's one of the worst things that could happen, aside from getting yeah. like especially for me. I'm not married and I'm not dating anybody. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I've, you could lose I, your left hand. I like to switch off sometimes. Okay. If you do both, you holding can do a lightsaber, it. of course, is what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. Well, course. you could do it like you know yeah. how how the cartoons they show you start like a like a like a campfire. You, yeah. you roll it back and forth and stuff, and just hold <laughs> yeah. it. Just a good old uh, uh, a nub job. <laughs> a nub. Job. <laughs> I'm reading Johnny's slips. <laughs> he didn't want to say it. He, we've been trying to corrupt him over on the panel. I discussion. did want to say it, but I realized this is a panel discussion. <laughs> This is panel discussion. I would have said it outright. That is with true. glee. With glee, you would have, you would have. Well, I gave you the intro of Sith Lord, so so lean into the dark side a little bit, my friend. Oh, I will. Uh, don't you worry. Yeah. But I did find it really funny that I don't know why it just dawned on me on this one. I think it was after watching episode three and realizing that uh, one character literally had two hands cut off. <laughs> uh, actually, that happened twice. Come to think of it, on this one. Uh, I uh, was like, man, there's just me. Just must be just hands laying all over the place from the Star Wars universe. She's been cut off by lightsabers left and right. No, you think no Jawas, hand is safe. You think Jawas pick up like the hands and try to sell them to other people? Oh, they got it right. <laughs> Gonna be famous hands, right? These are all famous people yeah. in their hands. The most famous. You have yeah, any Grandmaster hands lying around. Uh, <laughs> this is Luke Skywalker's hand. <laughs> that's right we found it in cloud city <laughs> we thought that was weird i mean we'll get that whenever we talk but when like they had the lightsaber um when that maz character was like giving ray the lightsaber like you must yeah. have his hand was attached to that it should have had a hand attached to it yeah oh but yeah. just bones <laughs> yeah bones by this yeah. point yeah she takes it off like a little cooler and ice hey look at this is this lightsaber is yours it's yeah. calling to you. Yeah. Just a bunch of hands just <laughs> everywhere. 
<laughs> I, I do miss the original hand chopping off man this is going to be the hand chopping off seg- uh, segment but uh in the first movie in episode four there's blood associated with a man losing his appendage but uh yeah and no, no other star wars movies they're blood no well, you know the, the the lightsaber cauterizes as it cuts so you know that's the one thing i saw when it was when they were trying to sell them on qvc <laughs> 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 if you call now, just the three easy payments of ninety nine ninety nine. Right, lightsaber, no yeah. problem uh, at all. I just love that Matt has even thought about what his favorite dismemberment is. Like it's not a creepy thing to be thinking about, <laughs> right? I'm going to put that on my. If I'm going to join a, a dating site again, and I, that's going to be like the first thing I put on there. Hey, my favorite dismemberment is. I'm thinking hand. <laughs> Well, I mean, like I said, if you take that away from somebody, it it hurts. I think if you cut off anything, it's not going to feel great. Just, just, I'm assuming. Just like from a life experience, right? Like, yeah, you got to live and have one hand or no hands, and that's challenging, right? You can't call somebody on the cell phone. Like that's that's torture. If I get any calls now, I'm assuming I'm not going to answer it. You got to or text or text voice. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But you can kind of, there's got to be, you can talk to your phone and it'll text for you. Right. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's fair. But you got to push a button. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. Anyways, enough about hands. Enough about hands. (laughs) This is the head podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we are talking about the Revenge of the Sith, Star Wars episode three. The conclusion of the prequel trilogy. Um, been waiting a long time for this one. This is my personal favorite. Obviously, we're going to get into great length uh, discussion about that. But uh, first and foremost, we have some news to cover. Uh, I'm actually first and foremost. I got to apologize to everybody for why we're doing the, putting this episode out four or five days late. It was my fault. We couldn't get an episode out by Wednesday last week, and um, uh, but. Honestly, I was telling Brian before we got an error, it's probably a bit of a blessing in disguise because um, the day after we would have recorded, the Andor trailer dropped. So we get to talk a little bit about the Andor trailer and um, pretty simplistic. Uh, didn't reveal too much, but at the same time, I thought it was uh, a really nice look at the, uh, again, something we're look, all looking forward to, but the politics of the uh, the Galactic Empire. Thought it was a nice little inside look. Yeah, but kind of a thriller aspect added to it, right? It's not just like a political. I mean, I'm a, judging from the trailer, obviously, not just a political movie because it was just a movie that was literally just like the politics scene from episode two. Uh, I would cut off my own hand, uh, and I couldn't handle it. So, uh, you know, uh, I get enough of that on Twitter. I don't need it. It must must always be nothing but that. I don't mind a little bit of it. I think it makes sense to have a little bit of it. Uh, but uh, man, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a really, to me, a really fun political thriller. Is going to keep uh, looks pretty fast paced. I hope. Uh, man, I'm really excited for that trailer. This is one of those Star Wars projects for me that kind of came out of nowhere that kind of caught me. But uh, Star Wars, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, did the same. I ended up really loving it, so I'm hoping the same here for Andor. For sure, for sure. Brian, what are your thoughts on the Andor trailer? Yeah, well, we were able to see so far. Um, it's easy to cut it up and make it look more cinematic, more theatrical. But as far as judging it with the other series that we have been watching, it looks pretty damn good as far as 
just the presentation. It just it has a more movie feel to it. Just from the trailer, you know. I think I had those similar vibes when it came to watching the Obi-Wan trailer. So we'll see as the series goes on. But it, it seems like they put a lot of money into it. I remember Johnny saying and correctly saying, like, when watching Stranger Things, you can clearly see how much money that Netflix invested in that series. Yeah. And spent a lot of time on it. Well, Andor is kind of in the same boat. Andor has been a project that's been kicking around for like four years from script to, you know, finished product. Yeah. Um, I think they did it right. I, I really do. It it looks it looks exactly like it. Um, like it's Rogue One continued. You know what I mean? It, it yeah. looks like it. It's just part two. That's Rogue One part two. <laughs> right. No, I, I'm a. Yeah, I'm very fascinated by by this because like Rogue One, it, we try to pit, put ourselves back when that movie came out. Right. That was the first like non jedi right style movie that we've we've had you know there was no lightsabers involved that was the first real live action property to do that and uh, it was pretty significant and i know we've had quite a bit since but it just like it it feels different but in a good way and it's always nice to take a step back from um from lightsabers from jedi from sith and kind of observe what's going on with the rest of the galaxy i know again we've gotten a lot of that with mandalorian book of boba fett um but this one's a little bit more closer to the center of everything right i mean the, sh- the showing the um uh you know the galactic the, the senate the 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 senate you know the galactic senate that building which we've seen so many times throughout the uh prequel trilogy is you know it, it featured heavily it has the new you know galactic empires you know insignia on it and like, that's that part is the stuff that i'm invested in and you know, there's a curiosity, like, is Palpatine going to show up in this? Like, I'd like to imagine so. Um, and we got to see some other aspects, too. You know, they discussed uh, all these imperial officers are so rich and they look down on everybody. Um, we got to hear hints about that. We always kind of knew it if you knew if you read the backstory lore. But Obi-Wan did hint towards that. Um that show when uh, Bail Organa, he was like, yeah, we're all the senators are are profiting big off of the empire for what it is now. It's almost like hush money. And um, we get to see that a little bit more up close with some of the people that are closer to um, the empire and how it rules. So I am excited. It's going to definitely going to be a change of pace um, from what we're, uh, I guess Obi-Wan was, was slow and fast when it needed to be. But um, it will be nice to see something a little bit closer to the center of the empire as far as uh, live action goes. Mm-hmm. We're, and obviously, this has to take place before Rogue One. Yes, it's supposed to. It's supposed to be a setup yeah. because this is, the, this is where Andor really gets involved in the rebellion. That's one thing that I will say. It's like, man, like, where does the rebellion actually start? Because they have all these different all these different properties now like oh the rebellion starts here and then you see something new a year later oh the rebellion the birth of rebellion is here and in something again a year later it's like what you know when does it officially start i know um it's a couple different things but um but yeah i thought that was you know it, it this is the this is what this will help rogue one be even better i feel uh in the long run it'll make it I don't know if it can make much more sense, but I think it will enhance the characters kind of like, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to remember to bring this up later today, but um, kind of like the training scene in Obi-Wan made uh, Revenge of the Sith that much better for me. So it, 
that's the power of this Disney Plus shows, these live action shows, and even some of the cartoons is that they can bounce around between, uh, you know, times and, and actually enhance what they already have out, make things make more sense or make them seem cooler, um, you know, because a lot of the Rogue One characters, they weren't forgettable, but, you know, this gives them a nice, this will give Andor a nice backstory, Right, he just seemed kind of like a Walmart version of uh, Han Solo a little bit, in a sense, in a sense, as far as attitude, demeanor. But now I'm like, okay, now I get to really get invested in Andor and care about why this guy is the way that he is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and all the characters in Rogue One. You know, I mean, obviously, spoiler alert here. Uh, we know how that movie ends, so like when you see rogue one you're kind of thinking well this is obviously for all the all these characters yeah it's a one-off right that's kind of how it felt but now they can kind of go back and and give you some history and stuff into these characters and really uh flesh them out even more which is pretty cool i think because the rogue one had a lot of really fascinating characters that i really wish we'd spent more time with so yeah i i heartily agree did you guys pop for forrest whitaker coming back as saw Guerrero again sure did yep that was cool it is it is cool. Um he's one of those characters when thinking about people bitching about the the way characters look in live action compared to how they were in the CGI cartoons. Saw Guerrera stands pretty high on that list as far as guys that is well known for being in Rebels and having a certain look. And then you compare it to how Forrest Whitaker looks, and obviously they don't really look a lot alike. Um but you know it he's a huge character and, and, and to elevate the other characters of Andor would be interesting. You know what I mean? Forrest Whitaker has got a name attached to it. Uh, just like uh, we get a scars guard in this movie, which is yes. Fun. Yes. Um, I, I pointed at the screen. I'm like, you're the dude that gets, it gets dragged underwater by that shark when you're strapped to that stretcher. And, <laughs> and, and, oh, and I was like, you're the dude that helps Thor out a little bit. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, side note, uh, a separate podcast not attached to this network that I, I've listened to for years covered Deep Blue Sea. And the one guy on it said, I, I typed in in my notes. Um, he went to type in the Scars Guards guy's name and it auto corrected it to Stellar Skateboard. And so and every time now, when I see this dude's face or name, that pops up in my head. It's, I, in my head, I see Stellar Skateboard. That does sound like a really cool Star Wars name. It Stellar does. Skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> that, who's that? That's, you don't know. That's <laughs> Jedi Knight himself, Stellar Skateboard. <laughs> it made some other random Jedi Knight. So why the heck not? Just, yeah, don't, nah. just make it look, make it, make it canon. <laughs> Um, and ob- obviously the return of Mon Mothra. Um, Mon Mothma, sorry. You said Mothra like we're Mothra. We got Godzilla. Godzilla's show Godzilla's Godzilla's. <laughs> no, that's a crossover I want to see. Some Godzilla, <laughs> Mothra, and some Star Wars. My, Sign my, me my, up. my kid was playing a, a, a beat-em-up game of Ninja Turtles, and Mothra was in it. Oh. They, they showed up on, uh, I think, Call of Duty had uh, Godzilla and King Kong show up. So what so do I know? Cool. So <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, Mod Moth was a major character. She's getting a, a lot of time to shine. You know, she was just, she was such a small part in the original trilogy, right? Just episode six, I think she showed up when they were having that sit down meeting, getting ready to assault the second Death Star. So she's a major character in all this. And, and you know what? And she had a role in prequel trilogy, and she was only featured in like deleted scenes. It was really random and unfortunate. But yeah. um, none of those characters whose you know lore has been. 
greatly done in books and comics and, and a lot of the, ex- the old expanded universe, but live action hasn't really gotten her time to shine. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I, I, I am really excited about this. Get those, some of those underneath characters, some, uh, and prop them up a little bit. Yeah. And of course they, they delayed it. It's coming out like a month later now. Yeah, uh, but we're getting three episodes at once when it comes out. So. Isn't it wild? I, yeah. I think that's yeah. September. What did you say, Brian? September twenty first. Yep. yep. It's towards the end, so our first our episode for October, um, we'll have a recap in all of that. I think October will be Empire Strikes Back. I think that's what we're doing. I think if we keep going on the track that we have been, I think we'll be oh, that doing seems Empire for Halloween for some reason. I right, kind of, sort of, right? Yeah. Um, well, we can't skip. We can't skip Rogue One. No, I think I feel like this is the thing I was going to bring up. I feel like we do the mainline Star Wars ones, and then we come back around and do those. All right. If you make me wait for my favorite Star Wars movie, I guess <laughs> save the best for last, Brian. Yeah, it is. It is the best. Accidentally, too. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think they were trying to one up the other movies. They just accidentally did it. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to. I think I, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. But okay. um, I'm fine with you. You guys win. I surrender. <laughs> we, we have the high ground, Brian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We stabbed you in the abdomen, but you still live to fight another day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, God. Johnny. Because we, we use lightsabers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very survivable, <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> uh, so, Johnny, you actually uh, caught one of the newer Star Wars things uh, that released. Was it this week? I know. I think it's it dropped- very recently, within the last, as of this recording, the last couple of days. Yeah. Is the Lego Star Wars, is it called Summer Vacation or something like that? I believe it's so, yeah. Uh, it's on Disney Plus. It's uh, it's it's under an hour. It's like forty eight ish minutes, something like that. And uh, I love Lego and I love Star Wars. Uh, I really, really enjoyed. I think it's underrated, honestly. The last Star Wars special, Lego Star Wars special they put out, the uh, the holiday one from last year. Okay, it's actually really good. It's very funny, and I really enjoyed it. So I was going into this one kind of comparing it to that. Right, uh, if you're a, a comedy nerd like I am. You will recognize some of these guest voices on this. Uh, you know, obviously, Weird Al Yankovic is one of them. I mean, that's not a giveaway. They kind of to talk about him before this came out. And I love Weird Al, so sign me up for that. You know, uh, it's American Pie will always be here, here, this year, and it can die for me, always. And uh, so he's got a part in it. Um, Thomas Lennon, uh, you probably know him from Reno 911. He's in it. Uh, and a couple, and there's a bunch of others in there that get to play parts uh, and the animation's really good, man. They, they've come a long way with just animation. Cause I guarantee you, they didn't have super long to make this. I wouldn't think, uh, but it looks fantastic. These little Lego characters walking around look awesome. The gist of it is of course, I mean, from the title, they want to go on vacation. It's, it takes place. Um, it seems, it, it seems like it takes place after all the movies because you have the, uh, I mean, you got Poe and you got Ray and and Finn and everybody are going on vacation together for one last hurrah before they all kind of separate and go their own ways, right? And that's sort of the gist of it. they're trying to have a vacation, and Finn is having a crisis because he doesn't want to say goodbye to his friends, right? That's kind of the little overlying theme. And he's visited by different Force ghosts, right? Like Obi Wan visits him, and uh, you know Anakin visits him, and so on and so forth. And they're giving him little life lessons, and they and they tell him about their vacations that they had. And there's a lot of really good, fun jokes here. 
Uh, I don't feel it was as good as the holiday one. That one was funnier to me. This one still had some fairly funny moments, uh, but I definitely laughed way more at the holiday one than this one. I think though, if you have kids, uh, they will get a blast out of this. Uh, it's, you know, it's a very, very fun thing. Uh, I do recommend it. Um, I, <clears throat> if I was going to give it a score out of, let's say out of five, out of five, uh, uh, severed hand from <laughs> which is what you would give any Lego product is that kind of review uh, I'm going to give this uh, smack dab in the middle I'm going to go two and a half two and a half okay two and a half I do think if you're a Star Wars fan you can get something out of it and it's less than an hour uh, you know most things now seem like they're 15 hours long so that's kind of a breath of fresh air for me uh, as I get older and older I'm like man where are my hour and a half movies at uh, but uh, yeah so just in a, under an hour you can you can breeze through it and it's just a fun little goofy thing. And uh, it's kind of fun going in and see if you recognize some of the voices. So I've always enjoyed Legos. Uh, their are cartoons from everything. The superhero stuff. I watched a few Star Wars ones in my day. I think there was one. It was um, uh, the hot something. The search for Holocron or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. There was like a little scene where like Luke is fighting like the emperor. And it was just it was just funny. It was it was charming non-canon so like that that i i used to be really anal about stuff like that like oh god why doesn't it make any sense but i also at the same time realize it's a kid's show and they're just yeah, throwing yeah don't go together. into this thinking that you're going to see some canon stuff <laughs> like that. they do make a lot of references that if you're an adult you'd be like i get you know i love that that type of thing a lot of uh, previous star wars things are brought back in a f- very fun way uh so yeah uh two and a half out of five if you're an adult i think if you're a kid i would knock it up probably to a three three and a half so okay just uh, I'm very image. curious what Brian's kids would like. If, uh, they yeah, would like they, they don't. They pause and watch uh, a little bit of Star Wars with me, um, but I quickly shoot them away because I don't want any spoilers. I want them to be surprised when they learn certain secrets, right? So, but uh, if I threw this on, guaranteed they would enjoy it just because it's CGI cartoons and kids are yeah. going to watch it. Yeah, but this image <laughs> in particular that I shared with the group. Um, <laughs> A Darth Vader in a Bahama Mama kind of yes. like yes. tank top and holding a hot dog is fantastic. And he's in the same scene. Of course, he's going on quote unquote vacation with Palpatine, who's also uh, dressed for a, a summer beach time. Yeah, uh, I want those minifigures. You got to release those. Like <laughs> the, the oh, emperor. Seriously. Yeah, the emperor's got the hood on top of his head, but he's otherwise in shorts and a tank top. <laughs> There's a one quick joke that I will give away. It's because it's during this part. Uh, a Palpatine makes Vader put sunscreen on. Oh him, my god! On his back, and it's just really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and there's an ongoing joke about Ewoks wanting to invite people to lunch. They could eat those people they invite. <laughs> it's a running gag in it. I might be watching this by the end of the night. That is for sure. Oh, sounds great though sounds great i think that's it for the news though it's been pretty quiet since the end of uh obi-wan so i think it's time we hop into our revenge of the sith uh movie review so always excited about this one this is probably depending on the day of the week you ask me my favorite star wars film of all time more often than not you get that it dropped may 19th 2005 <laughs> Uh, with a budget of $113 million and earned $868.4 million. So 
pretty solid. Uh, it, definitely a profit, which you know, all Star Wars ones are. But uh, let's go around the room. Brian, uh, we'll start off with you, bud. Your first impressions, memories of going to see Revenge of the Sith. When did you see it? Where did you see it? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, this one is unique. Um, if you remember on episode uh, uh, episode two, The Clone Wars, uh, I didn't have a unique memory of when I first watched it, where I was or whatnot. This I do because some beautiful soul, God bless him or her, leaked a digital copy of this film before it originally dropped. Do you guys remember this? Uh, I do not, actually. I remember Someone, that happening to uh, movies. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Someone got a hold of it in the LucasArts family and somehow got it out to the public. So I actually got a burned copy and it was flawless. It's not like when you get a, a burned copy of some movie they, that just came out and then some guy with a camcorder yeah. all shaking with people. So you see people getting out, see people walking through, you're hearing different people talking in different languages and shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not like that. A legit rip of the movie. So wow. I got it from a dude at work and I went home and I made all my roommates watch it. And they liked it enough, I think, but uh, I loved it. I do remember that. That opening scene was like, damn, you did it. Way to, way to bring me back, guys. Because, you know, I was coming from a, a point where I was like, man, Star Wars is about to suck. Like, that last, that last movie kind of stunk. Like, don't do this. Like, please, like, either just let my, one of my favorite franchises die. You know, don't don't keep throwing stuff in my face that I don't want to watch. Um good news uh i love this movie still so yeah it was unique but i did end up going and seeing it in theaters too because i had to right right like i, I got it early watched it with my friends fantastic then a group of us from work went out and watched it together and uh it was great johnny what about you bud your first memories of uh seeing revenge of the Sith? uh well i do have notes that i can't wait to get into for later for when we actually talk about the movie have some very intelligent observations uh, for this movie, but I will say I remember this coming out and I really, even at the time and <laughs> I say my opinion still holds up episode two. I really hated it. Yes. It awful. Didn't you care a, for it. You had a four, right? I think it was a four. Well, yeah, that's probably just out of respect for you two. It was. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I really, I was like, man, I was kind of like Brian. I, I was hesitant. I guess the best way to put it for episode three right uh but i still remember thinking to this day and uh literally rewatched this yesterday uh, that this is such a turnaround from how bad i thought the second one was this one is just so much better than it uh, and i watched this in the theater multiple times with different groups of friends uh this was one of those movies where a group of friends would go uh, hey, you want to go see this? Yeah. And then, like, the next day, another group of friends would go to you and be like, hey, we're going to see Star Wars. You want to go? Uh, yeah. So I literally saw this movie two or three times, like, within days of each other. Because <laughs> uh, there's scenes in this movie that you can watch over and over again, and they don't get old. Yeah. Um, so I really, really enjoyed quite a bit about this movie. Uh, I was trying to think in my head which films had uh, one film in the, in the franchise that was really bad, but then the next part of it was almost redeeming in a way for me. Uh, this is definitely one of those I would put there. It's just, uh, it's so good. I mean, the opening scenes, which I'll get into when I do my notes. 
I mean, it just starts out fun, right? It just starts out just fun spectacle in which I was really glad I did see this in the theater on the big screen, just from that opening spot there. I mean, that's, you know, uh, it's just really cool. I uh, really, really liked this movie back in the day. It was by far my favorite of the trilogy of the uh, prequel trilogy. Uh, trilogy? That's the word, right? Trilogy. It was my favorite of the prequel My trilogy. My yeah. Mothra. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, spoiler alert, that still stands today. Uh, I really liked this movie back then. Um, it's it, It's got so much cool stuff in it. There's still some problems, but I mean, that's any movie. So uh, yeah. there's rarely a perfect film, but there's still, there, uh, this one's got some things that if, the me now, because I went into it watching it yesterday with a um, wanting to really pick it up and pick it apart kind of uh, mode. And there's some stuff you can pick apart. But overall, this is a very fun movie. And I really remember loving it back in the day. And I was really glad that it, that still was the case now. For sure. All right. Um, I was in eighth grade. It was the end of my eighth grade year when this movie came out. And man, my middle school years, there was some great movies dropping like i got the pretty much the last two lord of the rings movies i got episode two and episode what did i get episode two is fifth grade um i think but you know you get revenge of the sith in eighth grade like there was a lot of great movies that dropped in that time period and uh i remember i seen it i mean that it was everything right the hype was real i think burger king did a line of toys if i'm not mistaken I know uh, our good friend Will from the panel discussion, he gave me a set of watches that they released around that time, like Burger King Star Wars themed watches. Um, But I seen it on my birthday. And then I seen it again a couple of weeks later with my uncle um, because my cousins or aunt didn't want to see it. So, um, so we've seen it together. It was one of the first, I actually did a book report on it for my eighth grade writing class it was uh it was a lot of fun but um but yeah i i think this you know it, it was i guess i'll save that part for the summary but um but i remember it a lot because that was kind of the end of toys r us around here in in niagara falls i think a couple years later the the the, the toys r us closed down but i remember that being like the last big like promotional like thing the whole aisle fold with new star wars toys i was still collecting at that time before my brother opened up all my unopened boxes of star wars toys i still had a box uh full of them and um but i was collecting and the, the toy they were great i mean they were just they're, they're fun toys and you know we know that's a that's a big part of how all these movies do too is if they sell enough toys and uh yeah there's a lot of cool ones there's a, there a lot of cool stuff that came out uh, and we got the the I remember this too the Lego video game the prequel trilogy um, it came out a week before Revenge of the Sith was released so you could actually play it to get some sense of spoilers um, and I do remember that happening so a lot of great things that came from it um, but it was fun it was it was cool because we all knew what was going to happen but we didn't know how it was going to happen. That was the that was the big question going into Revenge of the Sith, and probably for most of the prequel trilogy. How does this all go down, right? That in in it's crazy because you know at one point of the movie, all these Jedi, all these characters still alive. 
And then at the very end, it's like down to everybody. It's just everybody's dead. Everybody, everybody's dead. <laughs> and we're going on to the new, the original trilogy type period. It's like, like damn, none of y'all survived. I'm sure somebody's going to get, you know, they're going to, uh, what do they call it? I don't know, but somebody Mace Windu will turn up alive at some point in the new Star Wars canon or something. But it was just they were just everybody. Wow, all these characters we started to care and love for, they're dead. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> none of them made it. <laughs> uh, real quick before we get into our actual reviews, I wanted to look up the year two thousand and five when it comes to movies, because um, you had mentioned that that uh, it. I think two thousand five low key might have been a big movie year because not only did we have the Star Wars Episode three. Batman Begins came out that same year. Uh, Walk the Line, which is a crazy good Johnny Cash movie. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, that came out, which is honestly very good. Um, uh, where's the other big one? Oh, and Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I mean, these are huge oh. movies. All came out in the same year. Dude, they had, I remember they had nobody to run against. Revenge of the Sith was going up against Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they came out at the same time, and Speed Racer was like number two, like firmly number two for a couple weeks. But that is a really great year for movies, big time movies too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, Constantine. Yeah, did really well. I'm sure. Oh man, oh five. Did we get any superhero movies that year? I think that was Rise of the Silver uh, Surfer. Batman Begins. Uh, one of the Fantastic Four uh, definitely comes out then. Uh, I think it's the only superhero movies I'm seeing here so far, unless you count. Uh, Char, uh, Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is a superhero. <laughs> He's a survivor. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Was, uh, Wonka kills kids, man. Wonka kills kids. <laughs> we don't care. No, he does not. But um, <laughs> but all right. So, oh man, I think, is there anything I want to add to that? No, uh, or I mean, just the Revenge of the Sith video game was awesome. I remember I spent six hours in a media play playing it one time. My dad had to pick me up and goes, "You, this is not a shopping center. This is or this is not a mall. You can't be just hanging out here. You got to go." He picked me us up for media play, and uh, I almost beat the game. But um, but that's really that, Brian. If, if you're ready to go, my man, your summarization of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I got I got some notes here. I don't know. Uh how strongly I feel about them. Johnny feels real strong about his, but two things that stood out right away from the opening scene. Um, and it comes with the crawls, uh, the crawler. So the first word is war exclamation point. And <laughs> who is a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> so when I see that, I, I hear it in my head with the, uh, narrator of Clone Wars, the cartoon. Same. That's what I do now. Yes. <laughs> war. War. You know, is it, war. War has come to blah, 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 blah. War know? has come to us all. Yeah. And I was like, did that inspire them? I actually know that it didn't, but like, how did I make that connection? Because Clone Wars comes out three years after this movie. So it, it might be a little bit of a coincidence. Also, there's a line in there that says, and heroes on both sides. Yeah, which I like a lot. It goes back to my point last time. Um, but the Trade Federation actually being the first rebellion. Well, the, I mean, the separatists being a part of the first, being the birth yeah. of the rebellion. Yes, absolutely. And they do make a point. There's dialogue in here. I think Anakin says it like it depends on your point of view who the heroes are, right? Right. Sure yeah. is. So. Right away, I, I will. I, you know, just with the crawler, I was like, all right, I'm dialed in. I'm, I'm ready to take on some extra 
tidbits I probably missed when I was just enjoying the movie. Let's let's try and be more critical this time. Guys, I couldn't do it. I couldn't be critical. I was having too much fun. They they did a great job of pacing. Everything that was wrong in episode two is 180 degrees different in episode three. The pacing's fantastic. There's plenty of downtimes, political talk times, but it doesn't bog the movie down. It doesn't ever feel like it steals from another scene's momentum. It feels like each scene feeds into the next one pretty evenly and there's no push and pull um going on where that's definitely what it felt like with episode two so that was very very enjoyable um i found out that the rescue scene was originally going to be an hour long so the movie is like a little over two hours and 20 minutes long um so if that was and i checked it was minute 25 by the time that they were back down on um, the planet after crashing yeah. the ship. Yeah. So they, that was when they're, you know, meeting up with all the rest of the senators. That was 25 minutes. So another 35 minutes, give or take of just action. It was planned for that. That would have been nuts. <laughs> they probably, I think they probably wanted to do it, make it a three hour movie. There's probably a point in time where they were considering it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they pulled back. Because it it didn't need it. Like it, I, I I like the idea that they kind of sped through that first part because Dooku in the grand scheme of things isn't that pivotal of a character in the storyline that they were trying to tell, which is how how Anakin loses everything and throws everything away and changes who he is. Dooku has nothing to do with that at all. So I liked in in hindsight, like brush him off to the side. Thank you, Christopher Lee. You're an amazing human, amazing actor, but time to move on. So I it's it's a really good point. I think for the pacing of it, killing off Dooku was necessary very early on. I yeah. it's yeah. There's no I, hangover, there's no more like, oh, tell this about Dooku. It reminded me of when in Infinity War they killed off Loki in the first 10 minutes. It reminded me of that. Like, okay. Very similar, yeah. Yes. I I, I thought it was like, okay, pot, kind of popular character, but he's Wait, not Loki necessarily died. Me. Oh no, I I can't believe I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> No, it's smart. You know, it's, it's it's understanding the end game where you want to be. End game, huh? See what I did there. Um, <laughs> I also uh, enjoyed uh, the Grievous and Anakin meeting face to face, and then therefore, right? So that's written into the script, delivered. Filoni comes aboard later on down the line, remembers that line purposely writes every Clone Wars episode so that Anakin and Grievous never meet. Do you imagine how hard that must be? Every time they're sitting down in that writer's room, like someone writes down something, they're like, and then Filoni's like, guys, guys, that, that would mean they'd meet. That would, that would mean Anakin and Grievous would meet. We can't do that. We got to change that. So well, it just sounds like a fun fight, right? Like you want to see those two fight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Be. I mean, it, in the fact that we never really got to is really disappointing. Yeah. Like, it, it, like overall in the storyline, like it, it's, it's kind of disappointing. I would have loved to see those two go at it. Oh, man. What could I don't have know. been the, the, the appeal of, you know, the grievous you learn like the respect he has for Kenobi and how he judges him as a general, as a leader, you know, he's more of a fair comparison to himself. You know, he feels like he's a great strategist just like himself is. So yeah, 
you know, a, a worthy opponent. I like that. Uh, Dooku's face. Now, I have a lot of notes in the beginning, and less, like I said, I, I, eventually I just started enjoying the movie. I'm sure I'll think of stuff maybe along the way, but um, Dooku's face when Palpatine orders him to be killed is so telling. Of wait, uh, this wasn't part of the plan. You know what I mean? Like you didn't. I didn't know about any of this. That you're looking to get rid of me. I thought it was. I was. Your, I was your go-to guy, man. I was your apprentice. What happened here? Did you ever read the novelization? Um. Probably just like crib notes versions, kind of sorta. Okay. So in the original, uh, this is I mean, this is what Matthew Stover had to work with when writing his book. So he's seen the script. Um, apparently, in the timeline's sake, moments before that, Palpatine said that the Sith Order was gonna like be big and Dooku Palpatine was gonna be the grand, you know, Sith Lord, uh, but Dooku was gonna be Anakin's master. So that's the face. Like me, when you read that, like he promised him all this stuff. Dooku is going to have a big role in the empire, yep. all this stuff. And then he's just like, nah, fam, you dead. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it, it adds to that look like, yeah, there's really? a lot of cutting off of loose ties for the emperor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure. So when they, they, they escape, Dooku's gone, got to get off the ship. He stops to save Obi-Wan as he should, as he wants to and needs to. And of course, that gives Palpatine the first chance of saying of trying to separate Obi Wan from Anakin, and I think that was Palpatine's first realization of, oh, this might be trickier than I thought it was. Right, like his devotion to Obi Wan is going to be harder to separate. Like he probably knows, like I I can get him and Padme's relationship to fall apart pretty easily. I don't know about the Obi Wan thing, and, and in a lot of ways. If taken the Obi Wan series, he kind of fails. He mm-hmm. never really fully beats out what you know the the, the love he had for his brother Obi Wan. Now, obviously, right? No, it, it was. Twist. I mean, that's long term storytelling because because right at the end, Palpatine was like, you know, is this is this going to be a problem? Like, uh, do you still have feelings for your old master? Uh, like, yeah. this is uh, this is uh, it's it's this is a, another case of the show making the movie that much better yeah uh so then that gives anakin the great line of his fate will be the same as ours i love that line basically saying deal with it asshole if we're all he's dying anyways the way you were gonna leave him then we're dying too like i don't really care yeah and that's that's so anakin it's awesome um what happened at cat name name oda yeah i looked it up it doesn't say it doesn't <laughs> I, I went searching i read several different things and doesn't really say um order 66 one jedi does lose their life on that planet when order 66 comes down but not not uh not our beloved heroes and then uh the last note i have here for just the beginning um i guess if we fast forward a little bit but palpatine when he is talking one-on-one with anakin while they're watching that weirdo cirque du soleil style star wars entertainment show you mean the giant bubbles no the giant <laughs> bubbles yeah uh palpatine admitting to anakin quote unquote admitting to anakin that he killed plagueis that it's it's palpatine who kills plagueis in his sleep and that's in that book that i um of Darth Plagueis. Yes. Yeah. So that all happens right when Anakin first arrives to Coruscant as a child. 
he kills Plagueis back then. Right. So we're talking, you know, 17 years or whatever later. The thir- yeah, thir- I think it's 13. It was 10 between episode one and two, and then three between two and three. So, so him telling that story, I loved it because it's, it's canon backed up two ways then. And I like the reinforcement that, yes, Plagueis is the one that was attempting to overcome death. And then two, it's it's Palpatine actually having intimate knowledge because he's the one that did it, and he was the one that was the apprentice of Plagueis, and using it, that knowledge at the right time too. Like I'll get into it in my summary, but it was just it was very convenient the timing of it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. And then I stopped taking notes because then it was like deep in the heart of the movie, and I was I was enjoying it, and I didn't have a whole lot of things that like really stuck out to me. Like I said, I'm sure I have things in the back of my head. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, if we say something in our summarizations, just hop on in and 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 say what you gotta say. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I yeah, I have quite a few observations myself. Johnny, what about you, bud? Your uh time to summarize. All right. So I have my notes here on my phone. Uh, overall, my notes are very positive, though, I will say. Uh like opening battle that uh, well, actually, even before that, this is rated PG 13. Right. Uh, which was a big deal. I remember that being a big deal. That this was, was this the first a, one to do. Was it first and only I, one, or I feel like it's the first one, right? It was definitely. The, I think it was definitely the first one. I'm wondering if it was the only one, though. I can't recall. But, but I just was, remember that being a big deal. Yeah, uh, yeah, because there always been PG before that. So, uh, but that opening battle, the uh, you know, following the you know Obi Wan and Anakin in their spaceships as this huge, huge battles going on around them is just an awesome spectacle. What a great way to start your movie. There's no way you're going to look away from the screen as all kinds of things are happening there. So I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, but one thing I got to ask is they're obviously they're trying to uh, get onto Grievous's ship. But uh, so, so uh, one thing that uh, the, this side does is they constantly apparently make um, giant uh, war machines that are designed with major flaws that are easy to kind of get at because uh, they can't get on Grievous's ship unless they take out the shields, but to take out the shields, you just got to shoot the thing that, uh, that apparently controls the shields, which is on the outside of the ship <laughs> for some reason. I don't understand that. Fix it. Ah. <laughs> uh... It's an easy I'm, fix. I'm, I'm trying to I think nobody did nobody when they were designing this, when they had the blueprints, like when they were all in the room, like, hey, this uh why are we putting that um on the outside there? Shouldn't we uh, put that somewhere else? <laughs> I got I'm trying to like I'm trying to think of something else to like think about, but I, I like just try to justify it, but I, I don't think I mean I can. obviously you gotta get the characters on board. So I guess that's the way they justify it. Because once they get on board, there's a whole other thing starts happening, right? So they get on board, um, and you finally get to meet Grievous. Now, I was going into this movie, I was very excited about Grievous already because I had seen the animated, I'm talking about like the cartoon animated series that Grievous was a major part of, and he was badass on that. He was. I mean, he was literally taking out Jedi left and right. He was so freaking cool. So I was very much looking forward to I mean, this guy had four arms, and he could hold a lightsaber in each arm. And he was good with them. Uh, yeah, I mean, all his lightsabers were literally from other Jedi that he had taken from. That's freaking awesome, right? Yeah. Like, that's so cool. 
Uh, so I thought I was really looking forward to this character, and I thought overall he was really really great. But Star Wars has this thing where they really awesome at introducing awesome characters, and they just take them out like the chumps. Uh, they do it all the time. Uh, it happens constantly all throughout Star Wars. I don't care which Star Wars you like. Uh, it happens. Uh, you know, I'm looking at uh, uh, Darth Maul. Uh, even Darth, though they did they did retcon him. Yeah, Darth Maul. That. They did it too. Grievous. They did it too. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, your freaking favorite, everybody's favorite bounty hunter was taken out by blind Han Solo. Yeah, so. an accidental hit from a, yeah. a baton or whatever. Yeah, so it happens all the time. But anyway, I digress. All right, so you get to see Dooku, who in the previous film I'd said was, in my opinion, one of the best parts, right? Because he was awesome in it, and he really showed how powerful it was. He literally took out Obi-Wan and Anakin by himself, and he held his own against, uh, you know, against one of the greatest Jedi ever, uh, you know, uh, in Yoda. So. Uh, I was really looking forward to him again, and I understand what you're saying. I agree with why he's taken out, but let's first talk about how great his little flip entrance is uh, <laughs> when he get when he shows up. You first see him, and he could have easily just walked around in the steps, but no, this uh, homie got to do a flip. No, uh, he's a count. He's got he's extra. I mean, he's got a cape yeah. and everything. You got to. Really, he really reminded me like he had that same energy of like that guy you know who's always taking his shirt off for no reason. <laughs> like there's no reason for it, but he just takes his shirt off. <laughs> it's like, dude, just walk around. We gotta know you're good. You don't need to. Do that. <laughs> you win. You, we get it. Yeah, we, we get, get it. This. You're good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, the, I thought that fight was pretty good. It kind of sh- I think the reason that they ultimately went, went the way they did too was to show that Anakin has grown right in those three years in his yeah. strength as a uh, with the Force. He's definitely grown for sure because he, I mean, he's the one who takes him out. Uh, and then of course, uh, let's. Uh, my next note is about when they're trying to land uh, the ship that's broken in half. Uh, first of all, the other half definitely went and landed on another part of the city somewhere and destroyed it. Uh, another thing, too, this one, they kind of land, but they take out a tower, like an airport tower, that there were definitely people in there working who are completely dead now. Oh, there's uh, no chance they survived. There's no chance they survived that. They're <laughs> done so. Uh, uh, so uh, but, okay, let's get into one of my very, one of my favorite things in this whole movie is anytime, anytime that Obi-Wan and Anakin are talking to each other, I think this movie really shines. It shows their relationship. This movie does by far, in my opinion, the best of showing that, of them actually being close, of them actually being brothers, of uh, you can tell they actually care about each other. Uh, like I think this movie does a really good job of that. And honestly, I wanted more of that, uh, of their relationship. Because they even talk about stuff that's happened before, right? Uh, that we didn't actually get to see. And I would have loved to have seen all that. So yeah. maybe we'll get to eventually at some point with all this uh, going back in time, things we, we get to do with Star Wars now. Uh, but anytime those two were on the screen and they were talking to each other, uh, I absolutely loved it. Uh, so uh, that I could not have got, you know, uh, been happier with. Uh, <clears throat> the love story dialogue, not as bad as two, but still not great. <laughs> It is an improvement, but it's still not the best. I've definitely heard better. And it's really weird seeing these two actors who I think are very, very good. I think Hayden Christensen, I'm going to let Matt have this floor on that when it's his time. Oh, but yeah. Hayden Christensen is uh, actually quite good. Uh, but uh, And he really gets to actually show some of it here. But some of the dialogue is just not the greatest when it's the love story stuff. But I will say, uh, Ian, Mc- I always say his last name wrong. The guy who plays Palpatine. Uh, McDermott, yeah, McDermott, yes. Uh, his he spells his last name weird. 
the, like, for me i'm it's like, like a big diamond it always yeah. like it says diamond yeah it's the ia it just throws me off but uh that dude is freaking awesome right his acting is incredible i love that he can kind of switch it in between like one minute he's obviously you know the the everybody thinks he's the good guy helping him out and the next minute no no you know that he just switches it it's it's freaking dude, great what else has he done in his career because i have never like you see like you we obviously seen liam neeson in other movies hayden christensen um natalie portman Ian McGregor. I have never seen Ian McDiarmid in another in any other film. Like, have you guys ever seen him in something else? No. <laughs> right? Like, he's just like that's he doesn't. His, that's his he doesn't need to be because I mean, in Star Wars, he has unlimited power. <laughs> his agents telling him when he reads a script and he goes, "I don't really like him." Just do it. <laughs> agent said, "Do it." Do it. I think he's I think he's one of those traditional like uh theatrical like uh, probably the, is, theater yeah. theater people and he just that, that was his Well he's awesome like, in this. He's great. He, he's fantastic. Uh so my next note cuz I kind of got like Brian I really got into this movie and I stopped taking notes during big parts of it. So my next part comes when a window show a window shows up. I said a window, which is a <laughs> to be fair that's what it goes through later. Uh window uh shows up to confront Palpatine, he really brings the Z team with him, right? He doesn't. He doesn't bring the A team with him or the B team. Uh, these poor Jedi he brings with him get taken out right quick. Yeah, <laughs> just absolute cannon fodder. They don't even put up a fight. He stabs two of them without the minute even taking a swing at him. Uh, so really didn't bring his best there. <laughs> Jobbed him right out. Yeah, it's when like do you watching. Do better? It's like watching a Goldberg match, my guess. <laughs> I, I did see something where a guy talked about that scene, and yes, those first two dudes are definitely Bantha father. But the bug eye tentacle dude was supposed to be pretty decent. Kid fits so, yeah, yeah, he's supposed to be pretty decent as a fighter, and yeah, he he got taken out real quick. Yeah, yeah, like uh, like like they're nothing. Uh, Windu looks great here, obviously, but uh, those two not so, or those three not so much. Uh, and then uh, of course, you know, I brought up earlier that in Star Wars universe there must be a lot of hands laying around. I have a hand count for just this movie. Uh, Dooku loses two hands at the beginning. They're cut off by Anakin. That is true. Uh, Grievous loses two hands. Uh, Obi-Wan cuts them off in their first part of the battle. Uh, and Anakin, again, loses yet another hand at the very end. Uh, one of his hands is gone. The hand he gets to keep is the uh, mechanic one of the one he'd already lost. So That's, that's how perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's a total of five hands are lost in this movie alone. Uh, but that's my... Uh, Last note, I will say that last that um that scene where uh you know Obi-Wan and Anakin and Anakin's burning up and he's screaming, I hate you, and all these things that Obi-Wan says to him are still kind of get me in the feels, honestly. Uh and probably just from that scene alone, just from graphically, it's probably why this movie got PG 13. Uh, because that's pretty it's some harsh stuff to see. I mean, he literally catches on fire from the lava. And another quick note I had was um that last fight rules i don't know how you can not watch that last lightsaber fight and not think it's freaking awesome because it's fantastic and uh the one of my favorite parts though is when they're already out on the lava and they're going around and there's just these two workers just randomly working in the lava uh they didn't just stop to look at this fight they just keep going <laughs> it really it really reminds me of uh this is a running joke i can't remember who the comedian was but he really made me notice that on any law and order show any of them when the cops show up to talk to somebody who's working their job, like they show up at a bar or something to talk to somebody, 
uh, or somebody who's loading cargo, this person never stops doing their job as they're talking to the police about somebody who's been murdered, right? Like within the vicinity? Yes, I yeah. know. They're still working. They won't stop working. They won't take a moment to talk to the murder police. <laughs> so I kind of got to the same thing here. You're watching two. Uh, these guys both had already had their names. Like everybody knew who these guys were. They're really famous, right? And they're yeah. fighting in front of you. <laughs> and you're just going to keep on, well, got to get this lava. <laughs> what job is that, by the way? What job is that? What a terrible know. job. What a It's going to be awful, right? <laughs> you got to go. You got to. I'm a. I, it's like a sh- being a shit shoveler. Like, oh, I yeah, gotta go. I, I gotta say, go. Yeah. I gotta go grab buckets of lava. No big deal. It did remind me of the, the in the olden days they had were shit rakers, which are literally people that were in charge of making sure that the streams didn't get clogged with shit. Yeah, so keep the shit moving. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is what I think episode three does for episode two. Because, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, also, um, my last note is, um. You know, this rewatching this, these prequels really made me realize that uh, how much I really like Padme as a character. I really liked her a lot. Uh, I have a list after this that I'll bring up later of the top 10 hottest Star Wars ladies from the prequels. Uh, I'll do that here after Matt does his thing. But um, so she literally dies because she just quits. She just gives up. Uh, I mean, for the. I guess a broken heart is what they're going for here. No, it's a little bit deeper than that. It's a little bit deeper than that. At least the movie doesn't say that. I know. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. For the just judging purely from the movie, purely purely from from the the movie, movie. right? It 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 looks terrible. I like that they juxtapose her situation with his situation of him literally becoming Darth Vader. I I like that. That's that's a neat idea. That's really cool. But I really hated the fact that she didn't even try to fight for her two babies here were just bored she just kind of gives up that's what it looks like in the movie i'm sure they went back with other lore and star wars yeah. and kind of retcon that a little bit but just judging from that part of the movie didn't care for that because she's such a great strong character before that yeah. uh but anyway other than that i honestly really like this movie uh uh you know this movie in this movie it had five severed hands and that's what i'm going to give it out of five uh, i give this five out of five separate hands this is probably one of my favorite star wars movies it's not my absolute favorite but it's definitely going to be in my top five for sure so okay yeah i guess so the retcon well not, it's not even a retcon but the, the the explanation that they use in in expanded universe comics books is that palpatine actually found a way to use some kind, i think it's like Sith alchemy or something and Padme's life force was essentially drained to keep Anakin alive. Yeah, they never ever. They ever never ever. No, they the did movie. it in the movies, but um, but that's becomes one of the major like storylines, like for the Marvel run of Darth Vader comics, because he doesn't know why that Padme died. He yeah. thought that the Emperor was hiding something, and that seems to have been it. So, um, just to kind of cause more pain remove his attachment for Padme in a sense and just make him a stronger Sith Lord. But, um, but yeah, they, they could have explained that in the movies. I, who knows when that idea eventually came out, but um, I have just a couple like storyline things and I want to bring up some, some stuff for my summary. Cause we've pretty much touched on the whole movie at this point. Um, I love, this is the most action heavy star Wars movie there was. And I think that's why it works so much for me. Right out of the gate, we get the we get the one shot, right? The one shot, follow through, spaceship battle there. And the downtimes are actually really meaningful, like conversations. Like there's stuff that I will sit and like 
I'll be at work and I have my headphones on and I'll just like listen to those conversations because I don't know, sometimes you listen to them and there's always something more that you can pick from them. Uh, they're, they're, they, I feel like they didn't, um, everything had a purpose. Everything, everything said had a purpose where some of the nonsense in the other movies didn't really, um, it wasn't necessary to push the story forward, but I feel like in revenge of the Sith, the dialogue was a lot better at, um, pushing the storyline. Um, I, I, I loved Anakin's corruption of the dark side. I, I, I thought it was fascinating it when you translate it to real terms i will ask you guys this though did rewatching it after the obi-wan series and after all these years did it change your perspective on hayden christensen's performance performance as anakin as anakin for me no i still think he's when hayden's at his best is when he's playing the dark version whether it's full dark Darth Vader or when it's slightly dark Anakin, right? I mean, I don't know. It it seems like there was backlash from the first movie of Hayden, and then there was some notes taken, and there was far less. It's, it was for me. It was always the way he delivered the dialogue more than the dialogue itself. Okay, and I think he was not coached well. Like I don't know if Hayden did a whole lot of acting before Star Wars. A lot of these guys, this is their first big time role, so I wouldn't blame the guy for not necessarily knowing how to grasp his role without getting some tutelage and some <laughs> help from you know people that are there. Right. I think the episode three. I think that's what happened. They made notes from criticisms and said that what can we tweak because there's not nearly as much master master the son uh like overacting like he's a young william shatner or something <laughs> yeah what about you johnny that's that's tough um i don't think he's that great in episode two uh, but i do think the dialogue unlike what Brian said has a lot to do with it. It's not good dialogue that he has to deliver. I'm not saying he delivers that dialogue well, uh, because obviously Padme, despite having that same dialogue, that's not good. You know, she's an incredible actress. I mean, we all knew that from the beginning. She's really good, but um, I do think you kind of see him improving. He had a tough job to start with. I mean, Darth Vader was already an iconic character. Right. And I don't I don't think it really mattered whoever they cast there, even if it was an amazing person, there was gonna be some backlash over people who are like, That's not you know, that's not Darth Vader or For whatever. Sure. Uh, it's just that's just what happens when you're casting icons yeah in a part. Uh, that's just what's gonna happen. I do think that uh he's also supposed to be playing a Jedi and they're supposed to be kind of uh non emotional. Uh, so he's usually trying to keep his emotions in check, which when you're acting, that really takes a lot away from your acting. Uh, so that definitely has a lot to do with it. I'm giving him excuses here because I actually like him quite a lot. No, I did uh, too. I actually uh, episode three for me was a marked improvement for him as well. I thought he was way better in this, but it probably has to do with like Brian was saying, uh, he's slowly turning to the dark side, right? And he's getting to emote a little bit more. He's not just saying yes master or whatever you know he's he was doing before like brian was saying he's actually getting to uh 
you know, you actually see there's moments in this movie where he's disagreeing with the council, right? And he's stopping himself before he says too much uh, because he's like, I mean, I got to be a Jedi. This is not what a Jedi would. He's struggling. And I do think he did a much better job in three than he did in two. So there's a marked improvement. And then by the time you get around to Obi-Wan, uh, I thought he was great in it, even though I could have used more of him, but right. I thought he was great in it. So um, I think he got a bad rap. And I think he was put in a, a really bad position that whoever got cast in that part uh, would have had trouble too. I I believe personally, just because it's such an iconic character. Right. See this uh, episode three is really why I felt I, like I thought, Hey, I really do think Hayden did a good job. And I try to, when I look at certain acting jobs, I, I look at the character, how old they are and try to find some relatability. And I actually do like have some relatability I can with Anakin, where he was at mentally, his age um, and his, his life situation. Uh, and I'll get to that in just a moment, but you know, Anakin is 22 years old here, 22 years old. He's been away from, his, you know, has been plucked away from his mom into a life that he thought he, you know, he definitely thought he wanted. All right. So he's, he's grown up. He's had, he's experienced emotion that he's not allowed to have anymore. His mom passes away. Um, he's hyped up. He's built up as the chosen one. He's supposed to be the significant uh, part in the Jedi order, right? He's supposed to be, he's, he's the one who's supposed to bring balance to the force and, this entire time, and he's doing great. I mean, if, if you read the expanded universe, he's, he's ahead of his classmates, but his cl- his classmates still just take a shit all over him, like literally. Uh, just just nothing that he can do is good enough. All right, I have a sort of relatable experience with that, with my time in around pro wrestling, and then a lot of other things too. You know, you come in. Uh, you know, I started training in, in 2010 and I was, I was doing stuff really, really good. And everyone's like, wow, you're, you're doing really great. But there's a bit of, je- you know, I don't want to say jealousy, but maybe it's just pro wrestling culture. But, you know, it, you come to find out that people were like not as kind to you behind your back as they were your face. You know, you hear these things and it starts to shake you up a little bit. It starts to mess with your head. Um, and of course, you know, when, when you're, you're doing everything you can, you know, on the side, like Anakin to Padme, you're doing everything you can to protect and save the love of your life. And you feel betrayed. It hurts. It sends you over the edge. You know, love makes you people do crazy things. And then when you do those crazy things with the best intentions and they aren't received as well, it, it hurts you. It hurts you, your soul. I remember being 22 years old and I was, I was uh, blindly optimistic on a lot of things, blindly positive on some things. I thought things were better than uh, they were, but it's, it sucked that no matter what I did for this group of people who I thought were my friends, that they found it real easy to hurt me emotionally, put me down emotionally, um, and no matter how good that I did, it was never good enough. And I feel like that's, and I remember just being angry. I'd go to bed angry every single night. And like that shit stayed with me for like the last like 10, 12, 12 years of, since I've been around wrestling. It just eats, it, it 
you see the world differently when you get treated like that. And I, I feel like that's where my relation is to Anakin, because again, like I said, chosen one, you're doing, he's doing great. He's the most powerful warrior. He's a celebrated general in, in the, in the clone wars. Um, most popular Jedi probably amongst the, the Republic at that time, but no matter what he did, no matter how, you know, no matter what he did, he was never good enough for the council and Obi-Wan had his doubts and, uh, and, and that hurts, that hurts somebody emotionally. I try to look at the psychology, like I said, I'm trying to look at the psychology of it and it hurts emotionally. And where do pe- hurt people go? They, they, they go to someone who comforts them and it was always Palpatine, right? Palpatine was always that comforting figure for them. When you've been kicked, you know, kicked, spit on, uh, beat down mentally and emotionally, you go to people or someone who comforts you. And you, you spend your time with that person. And that's public- uh, that is literally what a lot of cult leaders will do. They'll it's, find those people because they're vulnerable and they know that they need somebody who they feel is there for them. And if you're there for them, that just will breed into them loyalty for sure. And it, it did. It did. And you can even tell there was a sense of betrayal when when Palpatine revealed himself as Darth Sidious. Right. And he, he exposed himself as the Dark Lord of the Sith. He was like, he's like, you know, he pulled his lightsaber on him. He's like, I, I, I want to kill you. But Palpatine, you know, being Anakin's confidant for all those years, having and you know, Anakin not allowed to express emotion to Obi-Wan or Yoda or all those characters, he could do that to Palpatine and Palpatine always use it against him, always use it against him, um, you know, oh, how convenient Anakin's having a, a dream about Padme dying. Oh. Now's a good time to tell him the story about Darth Plagueis the Wise. Um, you know, kept filling his head. You're more powerful than Master Yoda. These are all things that, you know, these are all very real things that happen in our world every day, in our, our personal lives every single day. And it all affects us. You know, it brings us up and it brings us down. And Anakin went through all of it. And that's why I, I, I relate so much to Hayden Christensen's performance. Like I, like God, the anger that I felt, I mean, aside from killing younglings and, you know, obviously I, I felt that pain. It's like, man, like, how do I like just push them away? And I guess symbol symbolically, that was Anakin's way of kind of pushing those away. It f- probably felt great to turn on these people who just thought of him like that. He was a piece of shit. You know, they, they treated him like he was dog shit for his entire uh, for his entire time in the Jedi Council, and that's—I I always thought that Hayden captured that whiny uh, young adult of Anakin Skywalker. I thought he did it very, very well. And uh, you know, it's—it's again—it's—it's it's always been relatable to me. So that's why I've cherished this role um, in this performance as much as I have. Aside from that part, which th- that's my big stink, I will always go to bat for Hayden Christensen in in, in Episode Three. Uh, Johnny brought up the, the final fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And a lot of the complaints I've heard about that is it was too perfect. Uh, it was magnificent. I, 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 I really did. It made sense that these two characters knew each other so well. And the, the, the duel was as perfect as it was the, 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 the training scene, as I said, <laughs> in the Obi-Wan show, uh, made that fight so much better for me. And, and it was already top tier. It's already my favorite movie battle of all time. But that training sequence, uh, you know, it, it, it enhanced it. I don't know if it did for you guys as well, but it, you know, 
Anakin's aggressiveness caught him to make a mistake and Obi-Wan cut his legs and arm off, you know, that his, his desire to win. Obi-Wan warned him, don't try it. I'm going to kill Anakin's like, no, I want to kill you. I'm going to try it. And it became his undoing. So I, I, I really, that's why I appreciate that three, four, three minute bit or whatever, Anakin Obi-Wan training in the Obi-Wan show, because it does enhance, it makes things it make even more sense for me. But uh, overall, it's 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 a beautiful movie. We got to see Mace Windu wield the lightsaber. We got to see Yoda and, and the and Emperor Palpatine battle. Um, I don't have too many complaints. The only thing I would probably say, uh, negative wise, Johnny's right. Johnny and Brian are right. That some of the dialogue is a little rough. The battle droids were like like just jobbed out. They were too goofy for me in Episode Three. They were just, they did some, just the sound effects, the way that they talked, like I, they came off too goofy and unthreatening for me. Like well, I didn't they're, take, they're very easily killed in this one. They are. I mean, they, they kind of were in episode one, but I, I felt like they had a more serious demeanor. I don't know. They did get a lot of, uh, I saw a lot of clone troopers get shot though. In fairness. Yeah, that's true. That was the destroyer. Droid. They, they have better aim than stormtroopers. I've seen. Yes. Well, <laughs> like, like the super battle droids were really cool. I thought they were, but I just felt like they, they had these goofy, like, yeah, they're way more for comedy on this one for sure. Way more for comedy. And it, like and it just it was hard to take the them seriously. We were in episode one and episode two, I was like, oh shit, battle droids. And I was like, uh, battle droids. You know, it was kind of one of those things. But um I I I yeah, I adore Avengers. Sorry for my long-winded uh spiel there, but I feel like that, you know, I need to say that and put that out to the universe every time I say it or every time we talk about it. Now you you wear it uh, that shirt constantly. This that says uh, what's the correct wording? It says this is uh, it wasn't Hayden's fault. You wear that shirt all the time. It's got so many holes in it. That's why I can't read it anymore. It does. It's the second. Um, it's the, the second time I've been able to rant, like actually talk about. It. I did it once on Andrew's show. Let's talk about no politics, okay? And it's been a while since I've been able to do it. So I, I just I I, yeah, I, I and, like to bring that relatability in there. And to kind of add to a little bit what you were saying there. Um, I also think that Anakin was sort of blinded by his hurt of feeling slighted because if you watch episode three, there are plenty of times, and I bet this happens, you know, I bet they've planted seeds for this happening more than this, where Obi-Wan goes to bat for him, even when he's not there, right? Like he's, Obi-Wan is literally talking to Mace Windu and Yoda. Yeah. And they're kind of putting him down a little bit and who goes to bat for him obi-wan obi-wan's like he's not going to fail me he never has so um i think that there was real brother love and while i do think uh uh, anakin definitely saw uh, obi-wan as a brother i do think he was kind of blinded and he could have totally trusted him way more than he did because Obi Wan right. was one hundred percent going to bat for him all. I the think time. it was a guilty by association thing. Because, and this is another thing too, you get close to you know you get, you're close with someone, but they hear everything you don't hear directly, yeah. And they kind of like relay it, and and just by association, you kind of get that. Like, oh, I was like, I was tight with this one, you know, I was tight with this it, again relatability. I, I thought I was really really good friends with this one wrestler, and um, you know, we traveled a bunch together, but he was not who I thought, not that Obi-Wan wasn't that, but you know, he's, he's piling in. It was just guilty by association. Obi-Wan was part of the inner circle of the council. So he would hear things like 
probably the worst part was when they had Obi-Wan ask him to spy on the Chancellor. Yeah, but Obi-Wan didn't want to even do it, though. No, he didn't. Tell he struggled with it. He yeah. didn't. But Anakin was still like, you know, he was and still I don't think Anakin blamed him for it either. Right. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. But the fact that he was in the inner workings enough to know that detail before Anakin did was, you know, it helped them. It, it sent the mistrust over. Like, that's... Getting older and watching Revenge of the Sith, like you start to see the flaws of the Jedi a lot more in this movie and, and how they were kind of secretive and 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 weirdly untrustworthy. But when you watch it, when you first, you know, when I watched it when I first seen it in eighth grade, I was like, wow, Anakin's kind of a dick. But the older you get, you see it from a different perspective. It's like, yeah, the Jedi weren't perfect either. No, they definitely I, have faults. So the one scene that really stands out to me is. Uh, you know, when Anakin is having those dreams, he does go to Yoda. Yeah. And he and he talks to Yoda about them and he's seeking counsel from Yoda. I mean, who more wise than Yoda? And Yoda says something where I get what he's trying to get at because he's not necessarily wrong, but basically is basically he's telling him, you know, that person is gonna die, just kind of forget about it. And right. Go about, and you which, know, and which seems really harsh, right? This is a yeah. person you obviously care about. That comes off very harsh. Yeah. So yeah, and very cold. Uh, real quick, I wanted to look this up to um, Ian Mc, uh, McDermott. Uh, obviously, he's done a lot of Star Wars movies, but he's also been in Sleepy Hollow movie. Uh, he was in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh. Wait, wait, was he in, he in the? He, is he in the, the Tim doctor. Burton Sleepy Hollow? He's in the Johnny. Yeah, the Johnny Depp. He's the doctor. The Johnny Depp the picture one, yeah. now. Was he? Oh shit! Yeah, he's the yeah. one that's having the affair. And then I looked up Hayden Christensen real quick just to see what he did before Star Wars. Uh, he acted in a lot of com- he was he's a Canadian and he did a lot of commercials. Oh, that's the issue. Yeah, that's obviously it. What's that all a boot? Huh? Uh, <laughs> Tom Hortons. Tom Hortons. Uh, that's my Canadian. Uh, Christensen began his acting uh, career in a commercial in 1988, and then in uh, his actual acted on TV in '93. So he's kind of done some stuff, but I mean that's when he was younger. Uh, and it was all none of it was really like anything major. So obviously, Star Wars was by far his biggest break for yeah. sure. Yeah, he did. Was it Jumper? Was the one for one movie he did right after? Yeah, and yeah, he's was, done some after it, but yeah, yeah. But um, I've ranted. Uh, I know Johnny gave it five hands out of five. Mm-hmm. Is right before we get into our. Uh, well, I, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a nine out of. Uh, I'll give it. No, nah, I'll go nine and a half out of ten. I'll go nine and a half out of 10. This, I really do love this head and shoulder. As much as I love the deep storytelling of some of the other film, like it's return of the Jedi empire and then revenge of the Sith, usually depending on the day of the week. But I just something about revenge of the Sith. It feels like my star Wars movie for my generation. I get that. It fit, it fit, you know, everything I'm going to do. I'm telling you now, I'm going to do the same when we get to return of the Jedi. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm totally, I get it completely because Return of the Jedi gets a lot of crap too. And that's my favorite Star Wars movie because that's the first one I ever saw. It's got a lot of nostalgia to me. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I will, I'm the same way with it as you are with this one. I'll defend it anytime, any day. I will. Uh, yeah. Um, real quick before we move past this, because we, this is us kind of finishing up the prequel movies. It is. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I wrote down my top 10 strongest Star Wars ladies from the prequels, right? Uh, number one, I'm going to go in reverse order. Number one, 
Padme, of course, right? Padme's got to be the number one by far. I would, you could argue she's one of the stronger characters in general. She's just so good. She uh, was, yeah, she was one of the big three marketable, marketable uh, actors. So, and of course, it gets a little, uh, it gets a little tougher from here. Um, number two, uh, I, I guess that lady who took Padme's place, of uh, you know, I guess on the council. Um, I think uh, number three. Oh yeah, there's like a Jedi one who gets killed. Uh, she kind of, I've really, I shouldn't laugh at it, but she kind of dies very, uh, she throws her hands up and it's very, uh, Oh, the Twi'lek. Uh, God, what's her name? Very attractive though. I will say, I don't know what her name is, but yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, and uh, that's all I can think of was three out of 10. (laughs) So, (laughs) Oh, if you guys can add to it, please feel free. Yaddle. Only, only. (laughs) Don't forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, did you give this a final rating yet, bud? Uh, I'll give it eight Yoda flips out of ten. Oh, okay. there you go. That's oh, not yeah. too shabby. Yeah. If I mean, I'll, well, I'll do it out of ten, too, since you guys did. I'll give it. Uh, I'm up there with Matt. I'll probably give it nine out of ten uh, severed hands. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing uh, in reference to the PG-13, the opening scene, you remember when that uh, battleship uh, or, you know, that's supposed to be following Obi-Wan and Anakin. One of the uh, clones is, is flying it and their ship blows up and the dude, you can see the dude floating yes. in space. Yeah. That was the first time then in that movie. And I, and then you said it like PG 13 rating, like, Oh yeah, that was pretty dark, man. We had never <laughs> seen anything like that yeah. before. A dude getting blown up and just, uh, because it's one thing to see a ship blow up with somebody on it. But it's another thing to see them. Like just floating out in space, where you know they're definitely going. Oh, yeah, <laughs> with the, the third person shot in the in the yeah. original series, and it's just flames behind them. That's yeah. you know you know they died, but it's not that bad. But there's something about a dude just ship exploding and then floating aimlessly through space. I, I bet he wishes he was Princess Leia on that. Day. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, he could fly through space. Shout out Padme for rocking the uh, the buns in this movie for a short minute too. Oh, oh yeah, Natalie Portman is everything. Number she one celebrity crush of all time. Number one celebrity crush of all time. I know Christina Ritchie, but oh, I get both of those. Uh, and Natalie honestly. Portman's found way to be relevant in more, more, more eras of my life. That you're, you're not a '90s kid. If you were a ni- either one, '80s either and '90s one. kid, you guys are arguing something that either one of them is <laughs> a okay. <laughs> I, 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 I grew up with Natalie Portman and Star Wars and Thor. Like, come on, like, life is good. Nothing. Okay. I All right. So, I don't have anything to argue. <laughs> so uh, now it's the part where we reach the show. Um, it, there's nothing else you guys want to add, right? Or we're we're good with the review. Um, where we have fantasy warfare. All right, <laughs> fantasy warfare. We yeah. pit a character from the Star Wars universe against a character, a pop culture character from. Could be anything. Yeah, many things. We've done Indiana Jones. We've done, I think, Doctor Strange. Uh, we yeah. Did, Couple other ones. Star Wars characters have not done well so far. They're zero three, so maybe that changes today. Maybe the tides turn today. Because if you listen to our last episode, we've already set this up. Today we're going to do Jar Jar Binks versus the alien life form himself, Alf from Melmac, uh, the eater of cats, uh, Alf himself. So guys, who wins a fight between Jar Jar versus Alf? I think first of all. What kind of fight do we think this is? I think it's an insult fight. If so, <laughs> Alf wins 
<laughs> I, I, I never tell me the odds, but I'm not liking what it looks like for Jar Jar Binks right now. Um, well, Jar Jar is a war hero. Let's not forget that. Yeah. What? Forgive me for being ignorant. I didn't grow up in the 80s, but what is like Alf's like? What is his, oh, his power set? Let me tell you yes. his power set. All right. So Alf's, <laughs> I've always wanted to do this. <laughs> All right, Alf's power set is, of course. Um, how tall? He's probably the size of an Ewok, if I had to guess. Yes, his size. Seems right. Uh, he's he talks a lot. Uh, like he Jar-Jar. says, "Okay." He, he quips one-liners. He's very good at that. In fairness, uh, he has a great laugh. Ha ha! He has an amazing laugh. I just did that flawlessly. That's how good his laugh is. <laughs> uh, he. He's an alien from another planet, like Jar Jar is technically. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, but on his planet they hunt and eat cats. But uh, the family that he lives with on Earth, when he crashes, they have a cat. And in all the years that he lived there, he was never able to eat this cat. So I don't think he's that great of a hunter. Me <laughs> just guessing, or that cat would have been Dunzo pretty quickly. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and um he's also a pretty good well i don't know if pretty good he he was a he's he can be a talk show host yes (laughs) he could do that uh and he can also be a cartoon that's how good he is doesn't he cough up hairballs he does cough up hairballs yes he does uh and also uh you can have he has uh, he's almost always playing for the joke except for this one time uh, there was a Christmas special, which is the most depressing thing you'll ever see because it's about kids who die. So uh, just enjoy that. Fitting order sixty six. He goes to a, yes. <laughs> Kill those. He literally, I remember we. I, I recently rewatched Alf. It was all on that Tubi uh, streaming service. Oh yeah, and uh, it's still funny. It still holds up to me. But just out of nowhere, there's this Christmas special where he goes. He ends up at a children's hospital. And he befriends this kid who is dying, and it's the most depressing thing you ever see in the middle of nowhere. They've never done anything like that before to that degree at all. And uh, it really reminded me of when um, you guys remember that show, The Dinosaurs, not the mama. Uh, oh, yeah. I grew up uh, on that. Yeah. Uh, the very last episode of it was kind of out of nowhere where they all are literally going to die because the asteroids are hitting. It's kind of the same feel, like out of nowhere. <laughs> so those are your powers for Alf. Uh, those are the things he can do. Uh, I will say in comparison, Jar Jar, like I said, uh, he is so clumsy that he's dangerous. Yeah. Right. He literally just, he literally took out, he became a war hero. Uh, he got kicked out of his own uh, thing by his own people because he was clumsy. And he also became a war hero because he's clumsy. Yeah. He was a bomb bad general. Yeah. So I, I, I got to say, I do think due to his clumsiness, Jar Jar will find a way to win this battle. I think, I think, Jar, he's Jar, I think Jar Jar would eat Elf. Oh. Eat him? Yeah. They, they eat? Hum nom nom? Oh, yeah. Oh. I think he would. I think he would kill him and eat him. How else do you? How else did you think he would eat? <laughs> I, heard, I thought I couldn't tell if it was beat. I didn't know if it was beat him. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're a less disgusting person than me. Uh, Johnny, I thought the same thing. I'm not going to say it on, on this show. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't. I, uh, I don't know if Elf even has a bottom 
part of his body because I've only he does. seen him from his stomach up. He does. There are shots in the show where he's kind of where uh, if you do get to see the full elf. Okay, very round butt. If maybe if I can picture it correctly, <laughs> yeah, very wide hipped. Uh, he's got good low center of gravity. That's to his advantage as far as a, a drag down, beat down, you know, street fight. But yeah, that tongue of Jar Jar probably like whip his eyeballs out or something. It's dangerous. It is dangerous. What do you think, Matt? I think I'm going to go with Jar Jar. I think Jar Jar is going to be, I, I think, I think he would, I think he would eat him. I would think, I think he would beat him and then eat him. I think that's what Jar Jar would do. I think that it will be a closer fight than you guys think until Jar Jar trips over something and somehow knocks down a giant heavy thing that lands on top of it. <laughs> and that's how he wins. But Elf gets one last shot. In. Oh yeah. Always joke. does. Yeah. One last joke. He gets one last joke. Uh, and the crowd goes home happy. That's how we get it. So, hey, Star Wars character wins one. Put a win in the win column. Yeah. So. And he did appear in episode three in the in the beginning when they're walking in the platform. Yes. Oh, he, he's at the end too during the funeral. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Oh, Jar Jar. I was like, Elf. Jar Jar, not Elf. Yeah. No, Elf is not in the, in the Star Wars universe. We're talking yes, about Elf. Like Elf. Elf was obviously at Padme's funeral. I mean, we all remember that. Scene. I was Very like, boring. hold on a second. You see Elf in the background just crying. <laughs> He keeps going, did Padme have a cat? Yeah. I heard she had a cat. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Is but... that, what, what are you guys doing after this? <laughs> <laughs> but that is it, everybody. We got through it. Episode four. I know it's a little confusing, but episode four, Revenge of the Sith, is now complete. Uh, next time we come back, we're going back to the OG, A New Hope. So we're talking about and uh, whatever else news happens to pop up. But that is a wrap for this month's episode of the airing of Grievous's. Thank you so much for tuning in. And on behalf of Brian, Johnny, and I, may the force be with you.